Hello, ladies and gentlemen. It's your host, DJ Hamilton, and welcome to another episode of the DJ Sports Show. I'm going to change things up a little bit in this episode, as we haven't really talked about some baseball in a while on the podcast. We've done articles, but not on the podcast lately. I'm going to talk about the MLBs, some of the implementing their new rules this season, and my reaction and thoughts on it. And we're also going to get into some golf. Golf, yes, golf. <laughs> We'll talk about the Genesis Invitational with my guy, Jonathan Schickler, my golf guru, who really knows this stuff. He gives his thoughts and reactions on what's been going on at the Genesis Invitational. We get into some some of his card trading business that he has going on, which I think y'all should go check out, palmetto.polls, which y'all should check out on his Instagram. He's doing a fabulous job of his side with his side hustle. And we also get into a little bit of our preview picks on the Players' Championships the next PJ tour that's going to happen in early March. So yes, this episode, we're going to be talking about baseball and golf on this episode. So I hope you guys really enjoy it. Change things up a bit. And if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the DJ sports show. It's free. Become a member of the website. So, you know, when articles come out and also follow the DJ sports show podcast on Spotify, Apple podcast, anchor, Google podcasts, radio public overcast, wherever you get your podcast, wherever you're listening Make sure y'all do that as we continue to try to grow and get better. And check out my merch. I have merch. I have hoodies, sweatshirts, joggers, you name it. Like I have on my shop section on my website. So make sure y'all go check that out as well at djsportshow.com. But without further ado, I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode as I had a great time recording with Jonathan Schickler on talking about golf. And he has really helped educate me on that aspect of the game as i really don't know too much about golf but it's always great to have somebody who can educate you on something you don't really know in other sports but without further ado i hope you guys really enjoyed the episode as i did myself let's do it so diving into a little baseball because i remember mentioning it earlier whether it was through an article or in a podcast about some of the rule changes coming to the mlb this season i remember mentioning sometime in 2022 but there's change coming this season. Like last September, the Major League Baseball's competition committee voted to implement rule changes that will begin when spring, spring training games begin this month. And all these rules have been in place in the minor leagues over the previous seasons, leading to wide-ranging changes in pace of play and on-field action. The rules include a first-ever pitch clock, the elimination of the shift, bigger bases, and a limit to how many times a pitcher can disengage from the rubber. So the shift, which is a new rule. So at the time a pitch is thrown, all four infielders are required to be on the infield dirt or infield grass with two on each side of second base. Players will be able to move as soon as the ball leaves the pitcher's hand. And originally, infielders who began the game on one side of the field would not be allowed to switch on the other side of the field for the entirety of the game. But that was revised to just each inning unless there's a mid-inning substitution, according to an article by ESPN staff writer Jesse Rogers. In other words, a player who starts an inning at first or second base has to remain on that side of the field for the whole inning but can switch to short or third base the next inning. If there's an injury mid-inning, then the field can be reset. How will it be enforced? So if the hitting team reaches base and runners advance on a ball hit under the violation of game proceeds without penalties. Interesting. So if the play has any other consequence and out a sacrifice set where the hitting team can decide either to accept the penalty, which would add one ball to the hitter's count, or decline it and the play would stand. And what they're trying to change to the league-wide batting average was down 0.243 in 2022, the lowest since 1968. 
and a lack of singles in particular is at the heart of the decline, which 20, with 2022's rate of 5.33 per team, the third lowest in MLB history, and the 2021 and 2020 seasons filling the two spots ahead of it on the all-time list. So the last three seasons, the hitting, batting average in the MLB has gone down and further and further and declining at a rapid rate. And that has kind of definitely plummeted the ratings and the views of people watching the games because then you're not watching some of the best baseball being produced because you're not seeing high-scoring games. People want to see offense. People want to see people score on runs. They don't. They mostly want to see offense. No, defense is part of the game. They win championships, yes, but it's not the sexy part of the game. That's the same thing in basketball, same thing in football. People want to see offensive explosions, and that's what people mostly pay their money to see. Yes, we want to see resistance, defenses, not allowing easy points, but the main objective of the game is to score. So players have been saying, such as Joey Gallo, the Dodgers outfielder, growing up, we never had that. It's tough to adjust to it because it wasn't a thing in the minors. Overtime has gotten more extreme and more effective. From a hitter standpoint, it's something that could be changed. And surprisingly, some pitchers are on board with the move as well. And some of their biggest complaints is, how do you explain that to kids? And what's the point of having a shortstop if, you, if he can't play shortstop? So that's something that's going to be interesting to follow as this is the first full MLB season This new these new rules will be implemented. Yeah, on the shift, man, I... I, I really, I'm going to watch closely how this affects baseball because whatever baseball games are on this year and I get a chance to watch, I want to really see how this really brings ratifications or ramifications come from this new rule, whether it's positive or negative. There's always pros and cons to things, whether it's new, old, whatever. There always are pros or cons. There are going to be pros of the sh new shift rule and there's going to be cons of it. But some of the best shortstops in the league are not going to be impacted by this. And we're going to see how it affects them. The new, Another rule that was implemented is the pitch clock. Pitchers will have 15 seconds to throw a pitch with the bases empty and 20 seconds with a runner on one of the bases. Hitters will need to be in the batter's box with eight seconds on the pitch clock. So this speeds up the game. This makes, this makes baseball hopefully try to draw more viewers because the game will be going quicker now. People are not waiting forever. Hopefully these games go quicker now and they're not four hours long. Because I remember watching my college dorm, watching some of these baseball games. And me and my friends were sitting in our dorm room, in the living room. The game started at like 7 o'clock. It didn't end until midnight. I'm like, yo, how you guys have the attention span to watch a game like this? This is too long. It's not that exciting. Like, football, the longest a game will probably go is four hours. And that's if it goes into overtime but they're usually like three hours long. Basketball, a game is usually two and a half hours, but if it goes into overtime, it's, it will go to like three hours or so. So how will it be enforced? If a pitcher has not started the motion to deliver a pitch before the expiration of the clock, he will be charged with a ball. If a batter delays entering the box, he will be charged with a strike. So, that's, so that really rampants up the speed of the game. And I think this will do wonders for baseball. This this rule, I like this rule. Because before, they were taking forever. Sometimes they're taking like three, four minutes to get things going. Getting guys ready on the bases. Getting the batters getting ready. Warming up. Like, it'll just take too long. But now, with a pitch clock, it's like the shot clock in the NBA. Which makes the pace of the game so much faster, so much smoother. It flows better. 
I, I, I like this. This is one of my favorite rules they're implementing, and I, I think it's going to do wonders for baseball. Each stadium will have two clocks located behind home play on either side of the umpire, while two more will be required in the outfield on either side of the batter's eye. Spring stadiums may only have one clock in the outfield, but will otherwise be fitted to the exact parameters as the MLB ones. Each umpire will be equipped with technology which will inform them when the pitch clock has expired, and for the first time, umpires will also have the ability to speak with each other from communication devices without having to meet in the middle of the infield. So they're trying to change this because the average time of nine inning major league games, like I mentioned before, 2022 was three hours, four minutes, sometimes even longer, which is actually a six minute decline from 2021's all time high. But the time of the game has been rising consistently since crossing the three hour mark in 2014. And while it's not directly correlated to stat cast pitch, tempo tracker shows 110 pitches average at least 20 seconds per pitch. With the bases empty in 2022, see, that's too long. That's slowing down the game, slowing down the pace, and it's going to make people less interested in watching the games because it's like, man, these, these games are taking too long. Like, why, is this, why isn't it taking him half a minute just to throw a pitch? Like, they need to speed this up, especially for the younger generation, like my generation and younger, and even people a little bit older than me because I'm only 22. So, like, the millennials, the Gen Zs, we don't want to be sitting down forever watching something. We don't. We already have short attention spans. That's why we love basketball and football. They're exciting. There's always action going on. Baseball, yes, you get a hit, you get an out or out, or you're trying to get someone out of somebody out, and after that, it slows down for a bit. You have to wait a little while for the next batter to come up. Everybody gets set. That it takes a little while. So that kind of bores us a little bit because we always want to have constant action, like constant movement. So what does this mean in the minors? So when stricter pitch clock enforcement was based on the 14-second clock with the bases empty and the 18-second clock with runners on, began the minus early in 2022. The results were immediate. So over the first 132 minor league games under the new rules, the average game time was 2 hours, 39 minutes long. That's 20 minutes shorter than the average time of a control set of 335 games run without the clock to begin the season, which was 2 hours, basically 3 hours, and 24 minutes shorter than the average of the 2021 season with 3 hours and 3 minutes average. What players are saying, so there's been mixed reactions to the pitch clock with veteran relievers worried about rushing through high leverage situations. That's my one concern. When there's, like, say come playoff time or a team's playing a really big divisional game or a big game heading into the playoffs, they need these type of games to really get um, get their seating in the hierarchy in whatever conference or division they're in. I don't want to see them have to rush to get their team ready or to get themselves ready to play at their best. That's the my one draw of this. My one kind of, you know, kind of error about this new rule. I don't want people to have to rush. I want them to be able to be at their best, play at a fast pace, but not have to rush, especially in high leverage situations, in high moments, pressure situations. We want to see the best athletes be at their best so we can get the best product on television and in person for your audience and that's the MLB that's what you should want I know you're implementing a great pitch clock but if this really does I, I mean, it's going to speed up the game for sure definitely but if you're seeing how it's really rushing players and, and teams aren't doing that well and it's not producing like you wanted to you might have to reflect back on this and think man uh, maybe they need more adjustment time it's not going to happen and be great right away maybe if it does great but some great things, they take times to adjust. Players take time to adjust. Maybe later in the season, it'll start looking great. 
but we won't we won't know until the season starts. But that's my one kind of nick about this. I don't want it to have to rush players, especially in big high leverage moments and in games. So pickoffs is another new rule. Pickoffs are one version of disengagement, which consists of any time the pitcher makes a pickoff attempt, fakes a pickoff, or simply steps off the rubber for any reason. As well, when the defense requests time, pitchers are allowed two disengagements per plate appearance without penalty, and disengagement rule resets if a runner or runners advance a base within the same plate appearance. How will it be enforced? So after a third step off, the pitcher will be charged with a bulk, unless at least one offensive player advances a base or an and out is made on the ensuing play after the step off. So they're trying to change the lack of action on the base path that has been a concern of MLBs in recent attempts to improve the aesthetics of the sport with stolen bases per team down to 0.51 per game in 2022 from 0.66 a decade ago. In the 80s and 90s, stolen base rates hovered around the 0.75 range. So it has steeply declined over the past 30 years, which is not a good sign. People want to see some of the best athletes have a chance to steal bases. It makes the game more exciting, more appealing, more attractive. What, it, what it's meant in the minors, so in 2021, the pickoff rules went to effect in single A, and high A stolen base attempts skyrocketed. In 2022, as the rules expand to every league, baseball saw big gains throughout the minors. Like You want to be able to see a guy like Shohei Otani, one of the best athletes in baseball history. Like this guy, th these rules, I think, are really going to, affect him either positively or negatively. This guy does it all. He's a utility unicorn. He's one of the best hitters in the game. He's an amazing athlete. And he's one of the best pitchers in the game. He can do it all. He literally can do it all. He can play in the outfield. He can be your pitcher. And he's always going to be one of your top two, three hitters. And he's a former AL MVP. I remember I did a few articles on him. Some of my best articles. Some of my best written work. People love the guy. He's a Chinese cult hero. The pitch clock, him having to pitch faster, I feel like I don't know if it's going to affect his numbers because he'll have to rush. But I, I want to see how this really impacts his game. I feel like the stolen bases, I think that's going to help him a lot because he is a really dynamic athlete and it's something we've never seen before. And some of these new rules, I think, are really going to some, I think it's going to reflect on his game more positively than negatively. And he also could play in the outfield as well. He, he, I think he, these new rules are going to really do him justice. I really, I really believe so in my heart. So, so we have the pitch, pitch clock, new shits, pickoffs, bigger bases is another new rule implemented this upcoming season. So you have the size of bases will be increased from 15 inches to 18 inches. They're trying to change the increase in the size of the bases so it can reduce injuries around around them, around the players that are was trying to steal bases because there's going to be an increase in stolen base attempts due to the pickoff rule. So they're trying to trying to minimize some of the injuries that are going to probably occur from this other new rule that they're implementing as well, which I think is a good sign for them to do because you want your players to stay healthy, especially your star players, because those are the guys who draw the main attraction of the audience worldwide. So also position players pitching, which is a new rule. The new rule, so teams will be more limited in when they could pitch a position player. The previous rule allowed them to use one when up or down by six or more runs, which I think this is really going to impact a person like Shohei Otani. 
who is pretty much the face of this. A guy who does it all, plays position player, he's your pitcher, especially your main pitcher, especially for the Los Angeles Angels. I think that's the team, yeah, that's the team he plays on with Mike Trout. And he's their best hitter. This is going to really affect them. So teams will be limited in when they can pitch a position player. The previous rule allows them to use one when up or down by six or more runs, but the sides are discussing a tweak in which the leading team will have to be up by as many as 10 or more, while the trailing team will have to be down by eight or more in order to pitch a position player. They're trying to change the league, and now even the players agree that too many position players are taking them out over the course of the season. In fact, players believe it's having a bigger and bigger impact on production from offensive numbers to even defensive metrics all of which come into play during arbitration and free agency. And in 2017, there were 32 instances of players pitching in a game, position players pitching in a game. And last season, according to the Alive Sports Borough, that number jumped to 132. That is more than four. That's more than four times. That's that's insane. That's That's more than four times the number in 2017, in the last, since, which was six years ago. That's insane. But seeing how I feel like that this this rule, the position players pitching rule is going to dramatically affect Otani. I think, man, if he if he if he can't pitch for the Angels like that, this is a guy who's had one of some of the best seasons the last couple of years with striking out some of the best hitters and best players in the game, having some shutout games. This is going to hurt him. It's going to hurt the Angels. That's just one player on my mind right now that I can think of that this is really going to affect. And the MLB, I think some of these rules, like the pitch clock, I really like that rule. I think it's going to speed up the game. It's going to do wonders for the game. And I think it hopefully will draw bigger ratings and more interest because the games hopefully will go down to like below three hours long. And I think more people have the attention span, especially the younger generation, 30 and under, to want to watch the games. And then same thing with the bigger bases. I just think having bigger bases to prevent injuries, we don't want to, some, we can't control injuries. Injuries are, you know, they're not in your control. They just happen in all sports, just a part of life. But if you could find a way to minimize them or prevent them as much as possible, it's going to do wonders for your league and the health of your league. The more star players you have healthy and playing, the more ratings, the more money you'll be producing because more people are going to flock to watch the television, have bigger TV ratings, and then more people want to come in person and also watch your games. Because this player, since Bryce Harper's playing because he's healthy, Shohei Otani, Julio Rodriguez, all these great players, Jordan Alvarez, Juan Soto, and it keeps going on and on the list. Justin Verlander, you want your best players healthy so people, because people want to come see those guys, they're paying to come see those guys. So those are those are the two my two favorite rules of the MLB that MLB is implementing that I think are going to do wonders for them. And I think it's just overall going to be benefiting the league. So, ladies and gentlemen, this, I know there was a lot of rules right there we just went through. Make sure you guys look it up too if you want to on MLB. If you look up MLB's new rules, they'll show you, but those are some of the new rules being imp- implemented into the MLB this upcoming season.
Yo. Yo. Man, what's good, man? Long time. It's been man. a while, family. How we doing? <laughs> man, we're we doing great, man. Elevating in life, man. How about you? Oh, bro, you know how it is. You know we doing well. We doing well. Yo, it was it was really nice today to here today in New York, bro. It was sunny, warm Dude, out. Of course, again, how warm was now, it out but... by you guys? It was only thirty five out by me down in South Carolina. Oh man, damn! It was damn cold. Yeah, bro, it was freezing. Like that charity event, bro, was terrible. <laughs> you weren't were you wearing a hoodie or anything? No. Well, so my job was kind of just to like play this par three. Like teams could buy a shot from me. So essentially, like if they bought a shot, I would hit a golf shot for them mm. on the par three. So there were about seventy-five teams. About sixty of them bought the shot. Damn, that's insane. My proximity to the hole was nice, though it was ten feet on about sixty shots. So, man, that's great, bro. Yeah, so I was happy. <laughs> Felt good. And the cold, you know, just <laughs> swinging wedges away. It was good. The, the adrenaline was get, keeping you warm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I didn't have anything to worry about. It was somebody else's score, so who really cared? Mm. But now, speaking of golf, we got my golf guru here, Jonathan Shake, ladies and gentlemen, to talk about the Genesis Invitational. It has been a very exciting It's been a wild event. one. Oh, yeah. And he's going to break it down for us because, you know, I'm not really – a deep golf guru. So we got my golf guru here to inform us of what's been going on. So first thing I'd like to ask you, man, is who were some of the favorites heading into the tournament? Well, I mean, you got to look at it this way, right? Who are the best golfers in the world right now? So you got Scotty Scheffler, you got John Rahm, and you got, Max Homa. They're the three best golfers in the world right now. You just, you look at past wins, you look at past performances, whether it be top 10s, top 20s, top 50s. They, they very rarely miss cuts. And when they do, they're just barely missing the cut line by either, you know, whether it be a, a close chip shot or they're missing, you know, a putt two feet long. Those guys are so dialed in right now that it's hard to miss for them. Yeah. I'm looking at it on Rom. He finished third in the waste management tournament. That was just like Yeah, yeah. I mean, and Scotty finished first. I mean, those guys are right up there every single week. And Rom going into the waste management, I believe, had won five out of his six starts. Mm. That's insane. Which is almost unheard of. You also had Nick Taylor in second in the waste management tournament as well. And let me tell you, brother, Nick Taylor's one of my guys. I love that dude. I ride and I die with Nick Taylor, man. He's awesome. How old is he, by the way, Dean? Is he um, I believe or... he's in his mid to late 30s. So he's been on the tour about 15 years now. Um, but he's never really had like that breakout moment. He's a former U.S. amateur number one ranked player. Wow. So he was supposed to be coming into his PGA Tour career like the guy, like a Tiger Woods level kind of generational talent. But, then um, 
but he just he never quite found his stride. I don't think in the pro game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I was like, man, Nick Taylor. I was like, I never heard that name before. I was like, number two. Yeah, yeah, he's group. up there sometimes. You know, like during the U.S. Open, he led two rounds. Um. But yeah, he's not one of those guys you're looking for on the we- uh on the leaderboard every week, rather. Interesting. Next question is who have been some of your biggest surprises and disappointments thus far in the Genesis and in invitational? You can go with your biggest surprises first. Well, all right. I mean, obviously biggest surprise is Tiger Woods making the cut. Oh yeah. Um I mean if we just want to focus on a single surprise alone it's tiger woods um i don't think anybody i know his odds to win the tournament i know you could place a 250 dollars bet and win thirty-seven thousand dollars. so that just shows you how you know like skewed people thought the tournament odds were against him so just looking at that alone when you're talking that kind of money for that kind of bet you're talking about a guy that nobody thought was making the cut. Yeah. And right now he's actually tied 25th. Yeah, he looks great. And I mean, I I know today was Saturday. So today would have been moving day, but he's got a lot of time still. Sunday, a lot can happen. He's uh he's a bunch of strokes off the lead, so I don't think he'll win. But you might be you know, you might see a top ten finish out of Tiger. This will be great considering all he's been through. Oh, I mean, the guy, you know, so Roan McKinley, who's, you know, one of the big guys on his uh, his staff there, you know, he talks about how they've molded the way that they're they're fitting his ankle and taping it into the shoe to give him more stability and to change the way he actually walks. Yeah, I heard he had a messed up ankle. Yeah, so when he got in the accident, basically what happened was his knee all the way down, everything was messed up, like about as badly messed up as it could be. Um, so when you talk about that for a golfer, especially on the left knee, which is the knee that's affected for Tiger, um, as a right-handed golfer, that's your knee where all your weight transfer goes. So when you're talking about the weight transfer, like you're basically talking about the ability to hit a golf shot and to compress the golf ball. So if you don't have that left leg, all of a sudden you can't hit a golf shot anymore. That's crazy. So to think about the fact that number one, a year ago, literally a year ago was the Genesis Invitational. That's when Tiger got in his accident. Saying that's something, man. And then people who have seen the pictures, obviously the general public and myself included, have not seen the pictures. Um, I think I seen one picture before when I was trying to do an article on it. Right, I'm talking about the actual pictures of the accident. Yeah, bro. It didn't. I I think I saw like one leaked picture or something, bro. Yeah, yeah, and it's bad. You know what I mean? There's basically no cartilage left in the leg. There's nothing. And, like this guy is lucky to even be here right now. Well, yeah. So, number one, he's lucky to be alive. Yeah. Number two, 
there were serious questions when he got to the hospital whether or not they were going to have to amputate his leg. Man. So just to think about the fact that we're even talking about Tiger hitting golf shots is ridiculous, let alone making the cut in a PGA Tour tournament where you're talking about, you know, a tournament with the top 350 golfers in the world. I mean, not we're not just talking about, like, your average golf tournament. We're talking about Riviera. It's like one of the premier golf tournaments on the schedule. It has one of the strongest fields, and he made the cut. He was a top 60 player in that field. Wow. And I actually just looked it up earlier. He tied for the most Eagles in one tournament of his career with six today. I was like, wow. Yeah, I mean, it's it's remarkable. You know, I mean, he's – He's positive in strokes gained putting. He's positive in strokes gained around the green. He's positive in strokes gained on approach. He's positive in strokes gained off the tee. He's doing everything well. The fact that he went from an amputated leg to tying for the most Eagles in his career in one golfing tournament is just that, – that's a miracle right there, honestly. Oh, that's more than a miracle, man. I mean, think about how many healthy people can't make it on tour, let alone the people that do make it to the tour and can't even stick on it. You know what I mean? And he's coming out with basically one leg and beating these people. And just imagine if he was in his prime right now. Oof. Oh, my gosh. Could you imagine 2007 Tiger right now? 2006 Tiger? I mean, it'd be... Or if you really want to get into it, 99 to 2003 Tiger. Could you imagine? What what type of havoc he'll be wreaking against these golfers right now? Now, I do have to say, I think the game's improved a lot, and I don't think he'd have as big an impact as he used to. Well, and Tiger even said the, the reason that he was so dominant when he played was the fact that nobody hit the ball as far as he did. Now all these guys hit it just as far, if not farther. Like when Tiger played, he was the only guy carrying the ball 300 plus yards. You know what I mean? The average tour driving distance was like 250 to 260. Mm -hmm. Um, But we're talking about amateurs now that hit the ball 260, 270. So when you start looking at it, you know, the PGA Tour average distance is still 276 point something yards, I believe. Um, So if you look at it that way, fine. You can make the the tour hitting it, you know, 276. The the average of winners on the PGA Tour, though, is about 310 yards carry. That's some arm power right there. So just because you make it there doesn't mean you're good enough to beat other people. And Tiger is beating other people on that leaderboard right now. So that says a lot. Yeah, the game has come a long way, man. And you've been watching it for years, right? Oh, dude, since I grew up. Yeah, yeah. You told me. I remember you told me you've been watching golf for like over a decade now. You've been watching since you were a little kid playing oh, it too. Oh, dude, it's got to be 15 plus years now. Yeah, it's been a long time. You probably have a whole list of book of your greatest golfers of all time. Ah. <laughs> uh... It, see, golf's <laughs> subjective in that way, though. So it, it really depends on, like, what era you're talking about. Mm-hmm. 
So the next question I have for you is who have been some of your biggest disappointments thus far in the tournament? Um, you know, I don't really have too many disappointments. I feel like it's been kind of a pretty pro quo tournament per se, as far as golfers performing, how they're going to perform. Um, I would have thought John Rahm would be in the lead right now, to be fair. Mm-hmm. I him, thought that him and Max Homa are actually tied right now. I was going to ask you next, who do you think is going to finish, finish and close it out? Because Keith Mitchell's not too far behind them either. Yeah, I don't point. have much faith in Mitchell. He's normally not a Sunday guy. He's a Saturday mover. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's just it's really tough. Because I, I, I would have thought Rob would have had the solo lead by now. Um, but the fact that him and Max are up there, you know, it's it's tough. Because Max is playing some of the best golf of his career this year. But Rob, who's been great for about three, four years span now, is playing the best golf that he's ever played. So you have two titans essentially going against each other. Um both in the peak of their performance for their careers. But given the golf course and given that it's in LA and Max is from LA, I would probably have to go with Max. Interesting you just say that because I'm looking at the live leaderboard right now. His score actually just went down from minus 14 to minus 12. Oh, you're killing me, Smalls. (laughs) And Rom is still at the top at minus 14. Okay. We'll see. Well, you know, I, still, I, I have still a good time. feeling about Max. I, I like him. And he's from the USA, America, so I know, you know, big homer right there. And yes, Rahm sir, is- L.A. native. That's his home course, or one of them at least. And John Rahm is from Spain, Spanish. Yep, golfer. Spanish boy. <laughs> now, they're both killing, man. Either I feel like one of them two are winning, unless somebody in the third or fourth spot somehow has a miraculous – Sunday, there's no way. And, and hey, listen, anything's choked. possible, though. Golf is one of those sports where I don't care if you're in 10th place, 20th place, you can always bring it back. Yeah. Especially if you have a dominant outing and then the top guys are, like, struggling and they're not playing well. There's well, right, and that's games. really what it is. It's not on you to play well. It's on other people to play poorly. And then how's the weather out there? Have you been like, – is it windy? Is it – um, I mean, based on what they're saying on the broadcast, I mean, it looks pretty sunny for the most part. It looks pretty normal. Okay. Um, hard to tell without actually being out there, obviously. But, um, yeah, I mean, based on what I've seen, it everything looks to be pretty, pretty normal. I mean, nothing, nothing really out of the ordinary, you know? That's good. So nothing really affecting these guys' shots and altering their... Yeah, no, I mean, I know there was some wind gusts throughout the week, but these guys are good enough where that doesn't really affect them all that much. You know, maybe they're pulling half a club up, you know, and hitting a knockdown six iron instead of a full, you know, seven iron. But that's money in the bag for them. Yeah, that's that's something. Yeah, that's good that the weather is good out there because... I know when the weather is windy or rainy, it, it really alters a lot of guys' games, and, and it can really affect the outcome of everything. Well, the biggest part of it is, is 
the greens change, right? Because, you know, you can get away with wet fairways or, you know, wet tee box. But as soon as you get to the fairway, or not the fairways, the greens rather, that's where things change. Because all of a sudden, the ball's not rolling out. It's not spinning. It's spinning too much. It might spin, you know, a different way than you thought it was going to. So the the grass on the green is grown completely differently, which makes it more reactive. And when the grass doesn't have a chance to be reactive anymore, a lot can go wrong for the golfer. Since you're a golf guru and I'm someone who's a novice, what is a fairway by the chance for people who don't know that? Yeah, so obviously the tee box is, you know, where the hole starts. So you'll put your tee ball down on a nice tee and, you know, whether it's an iron driver, three wood, whatever, you're hitting out into the uh, into the hole. Um, the next shot you will be hitting will hopefully be in the fairway. So there's three parts of the hole after you hit the tee shot. There's the fairway, the rough, and the hazards. So the hazards could be anything from a bunker to the water. Um, the rough is thicker grass that's cut in different sections off the green. So you'll have the first cut, which is thin rough. And the second cut, which is super thick, rough. And then you'll have the fairway, which typically is just basically very nice, fine cut grass, almost like a green, but a little bit thicker. And that's what would you say is your favorite type of grass to like hit on, like to play your game, to play an event on? Like, what's your best? What would you say is your favorite? Are we talking specific types of grass or are we talking fairway, green kind of thing? Uh, specific types of grass. So, the hard power um, about the grass is a lot of courses do what they call double grassing, which is they'll put different grass on the greens and the fairways. So, it's not always the same grass from fairway to green. So, you might have bent grass fairways. And then Bermuda greens. So it changes the way the ball um, is received off the club face. It changes the way the ball spins. Um, But for me personally, I like bent grass. Um, The ball, when you putt on bent grass greens, rolls more true. Um, And kind of the line that you read is kind of the line you're going to get. Whereas on Bermuda or let's say Poana greens, you're looking at grass that you have to read the grain, not so much the actual slope of the hole. Wow, that's interesting. <clears throat> man, one of these days, man, you got you to show me how to golf, man. No, <laughs> oh, I've been telling you to come down here. Yeah. <laughs> or you could come up to New York, man, one of these days, man. Like, man, it's cold up in New York. No, I come during the summertime, man. All right, yeah, bet. I got summertime. you. Summertime. Yeah, yeah. Teach me how to golf, man. All these rules, bro. I you heard gotta golf. teach me how to make that Alfredo like that you make, huh? You gotta teach me how to make that Alfredo sauce that you make. That's what you gotta teach me. <laughs> Yo, I saw man. that thing on your Snapchat story, bro. I was like, holy. He's like, man, I want some of that. I'm like, anyway, well, I think I even texted right you. Now. I think I was like, "Yo, you gotta <laughs> send me that, bro." Man, I'm trying to learn how to cook more meals, man. I feel like once I learn how to cook more meals, I feel like I'm the I'll have I'm the complete package, man. I'll have everything that a man needs. Like, you know, I just need to learn how to cook more.
with tools. Once I learned those things, bro, you know, you know, I learned how to put my own window on my old car before. Like when I, my mirror got messed up, I, I watched YouTube and did it myself. Hell yeah, my guy does it DIY, no problem. Yeah, man, like the way, man, it really is, bro. I can't tell you how much stuff I've done around the house on YouTube, just like fixing things and like. Dude, YouTube is the best, too, because it gives you little life hacks that you didn't know existed, and you're like, this just makes things <laughs> ten times easier. Yo, bro, how do you think I made the website? I learned by watching YouTube. Like, like that's how, that's how well, I did yo, it. Yo, so I saw this one thing on YouTube, right? So you know how, like, when your wipers start to wear down, yeah, um, like, they start yeah. making, like, that noise and stuff? Mm-hmm. Bro, this this YouTube video is brilliant. It literally said just cut a um like you know the sponges that you use in the sink for like dishes. Yeah. If you cut the soft part, um, like into thin little strips, and you just glue it to the bottom of your wipers, that won't happen anymore. Really. Interesting. Yeah, because think about it. Like, it's the same material that's on the wiper, but like it absorbs the water and then dries out instead of just like getting harder and harder and harder. I never thought of that. Wow. Damn. So whenever my old sponge, now I just cut that part off and just stick it on my windshield wiper. Yeah, bro. hundred percent. Damn. Thank you for the idea, bro. <laughs> bro. That's what I'm saying. Like people teach me stuff and I had no clue. Bro. That's what I'm saying. You learn something new every day. If you're willing to learn new stuff, like, your 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 knowledge could be abundant, man. Exactly, exactly. So another question I have for you for Genesis Invitational: Are there any young guys who have really made a name for themselves in this tournament go, going forward? Like who has? Stood uh, out no, no, not really. Um, the the problem with the Genesis it's it's more of a loaded field. It's considered an elevated event. Um. So you don't get a lot of the young, like, phenoms that have just come up. Um, you're really getting more of the, uh, you know, established guys. Like, you'll get, like, the Rory's, the Max's, the the Rom's, the Tigers, you know, those kind of guys. Um, you know, but you'll get guys that have also won and that are young, like Tom Kim is in the tournament. He's great young golfer, um, but... I wouldn't really say that this tournament made him. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's you. it's more of a stagnant field in that sense. Like you're not going to get a lot of guys that are looking to make their name, like a Ben Griffin or a Carl Yuan or somebody like that. Interesting. So you have more of the guys like a Jordan Spieth or a Justin Thomas, guys like that. Yeah, exactly. Like guys that may be looking to, um, you know, find their rhythm again rather than, you know, come up for the first time. Interesting. That sounds great. Another another question I want to ask. I know you want to recap it. What was your thoughts on the Waste Management uh, tour tournament? I mean, I thought it was great. I mean, I think it's the most fun tournament of the year. I think everybody can agree on that. Also known um, as the Phoenix Open. I was like, why do they call it the Waste Management? Oh, yeah. Let's inform the people on why they call it the Waste Management, since you know. 
Uh, yeah. So basically, it's just it's the top tournament sponsors, waste management. Um, so they're based in Phoenix, and I guess they bought the rights. So I guess that's why they call it it now. Um, but I I really do think it's the most surreal golf tournament in golf. Obviously, outside of the majors, I think the majors are obviously the pinnacle of golf. I don't think anybody would ever argue that. Um, but when you look at it, it, you, that and the players championship are probably the two non-major tournaments that every good golfer will show up to. Mm. So they're almost like mini majors per se. Um, and you know, you can't beat the 16th tee. I mean, it has the atmosphere of you know, an NFL stadium built into one golf hole. Like, not this year, but the year before when there were two hole-in-ones on that hole, you know, people were throwing beers, there was screaming, like, all of this stuff. It was amazing, you know? It it, it really is just one of those amazing golf holes. And the... The tournament itself, there was a lot of great golf played. A lot of guys went really low, which you expect from that course. It's not the most difficult course in the world. Um, it has a couple difficult holes, but the greens are pretty easy. There's a couple short par fours, so there's a lot of scoring opportunity. And, you know, as off balance as he always looks, Scotty Scheffler came up and showed out and showed you why he's potentially up there with Rom as the best golfer in the world and one of the damn thing for the second year in a row. How old is Scotty? I believe Scotty's 25. Damn, so we're talking about a young, we're talking about a guy in his... Yeah, yeah and I think Rob is only 26, so they're both... Both really young and really, really good. That's scary, bro. <laughs> like... Scotty and Rom between the two of them, this is the crazy part though. Scotty and Rom between the two of them, I don't even think have 10 wins on the tour yet. And Rory McElroy and PGA tour wins alone has like 34. So. People need to slow down a little bit when they start comparing these guys, because As good as those two are, Rory's done it for like a decade and a half now. Rory's what? He's like in his mid-30s now, right? Yeah, and he basically came out of the tour in his first event when he was 15. Wow. I forgot how young you can start when you're doing golf and tennis, like those type of sports. Right. Now, you have to start start as an amateur, obviously. You can play in the events, but you can't collect. Um, But... You know, just to get that experience is amazing. I mean, he played in the amateur as a, or in the Masters and as an amateur, I believe when he was like seventeen years old. And you can start collecting at what eighteen, right? Believe so. Yes, depending on your deals. Yes. Yeah, it's probably eighteen because, like most most places, you got to be eight. Once you get to eighteen, now if you go to school back then, you couldn't collect, but now you can. So it's okay. And when did they change that rule? Um, I believe that's 
changing with the NIL deal. Okay. Yeah. So, oh, so that probably was just like two, three years ago then, because I remember when college sports changed that too. Yeah, no, I it's yeah, like two, three years. Ago. I remember doing a podcast. On yeah, that, that so was big news. That was big. It's news. it's very recent. It's not like a like an old thing. Okay, so it's only been like two, three years then. Yeah, and you're starting to see a lot of the um the college golfers are actually taking like club sponsorships and stuff like that before they get to the tour now. And one thing about the NIL deal, I like that a lot of the college kids now, whatever sport they're playing, they kind of want to stay. They're okay with staying a little longer now because actually making some type of money off their name, image, and likeness. Which before that, right? It'll probably lead to a better product in every sport. Yeah. You would have to imagine. Yeah, and before that, a lot of these college kids they were in a rush to go to the pros, whether it was football, NBA, soccer, hockey, you name it, because they weren't get they were putting all this money in the college, getting the ratings for the college sports, NCAA, and NCAA wasn't paying them a damn dime. So, I agree. That's why I, I like the name, image, and likeness deal. Honestly, when it when it happened, I, I was like, yo, I gotta talk about this because this is big news, and I, I I was all for it. Honestly, no, I think it's a great thing. Um... And I think it's done a lot for golf too. Like golfers don't normally get the recognition that they deserve when they're in college. And I think now it's opening that up. Oh yeah, definitely big time. And who, who would you say are some of the best like college golfers that you think there will be coming into the majors soon? I gotta be honest. I'm not that well versed in college golf. Um, Got you. It's, it's kind of hard to tell because like for the most part, a lot of the top guys don't normally end up panning out. Yeah, because a lot of them are too old by the time they kind of start to make their way in. Um, because you got to think with golf, just because you go to college doesn't mean you go right to the pros after. It's not doesn't have to work that way. Yeah. So with golf, when you get out of college. You're nobody. Um, you have to go to Q school. You have to go through the three stages of that. And then in the third stage, if you don't place top 40 or better, you don't get to move on to the Corn Ferry Tour. And when you do get to the Corn Ferry Tour, just because you place in the top 40, if you're not like top 10, you're not guaranteed to start in any of those events. So you have to play in qualifiers every week. Mm, that's one thing I forgot about golf. Before you could even get into a tournament, like you, you've even done it personally yourself because you, you golfed on the rings. you got to qualify first. Yeah, and I never have. And it costs lots of money, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, they're expensive. Like a qualifier could be upwards of $2,000. <laughs> Golf is golf. You gotta have money for golf. Yeah, and I don't have money, so that's why I stopped. Mm. Like it's it's so it, expensive, man. It, it, it sucked out your pockets. <laughs> What's that? It sucked out all your pockets. Oh, dude, and then some. I mean, <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, all right. So think about it, right? So think about how much it sucks to be a young guy on the tour, right? That doesn't really have any sponsors or anything like that. The buy-in for a tour event, average tour event, is about $25,000. Jesus. That's some people's yearly salary, bro. 
Right. If you don't make the cut line, if you're not top 60 by the end of Friday, bye, you're out 25,000. That's crazy, bro. That's insane. And and you still have to pay your coach, your caddy, your team, all your travel expenses, food, beverage, um, you know, rental car. So you're looking at like a forty five thousand dollar weekend. Oh my goodness! Well, what's the most money you've ever spent on a tournament event? Me personally. Yeah. Um. Uh, this got to be in the same number. <laughs> no, I I want to say it's about five grand for a weekend. Bro, that's ludicrous. <laughs> what? Bro, you could get a, a a used car with that. Yeah, and I didn't make any money that weekend, so that really sucked. <laughs> You sound so casual and mellow about it. Like, well, no, I just remember we went to the bar afterward, and because there was a there was this little Mexican restaurant right on the the property of the hotel too. Yeah. Um. So nobody had to drive, which was fantastic. So we would just walk over, and I remember like none of us made money that weekend. Like none of my buddies and I made money that weekend. And we were just like, what the hell did we travel here for? <laughs> we were in like the middle of Tennessee, man, like in the mountains, like, oh my God. dude, it sucked. It sucked. <laughs> yeah, right. we, like these aren't like glamorous events, you know, this is like minor league baseball. So easy, you know, we're like in this, like, cheap little thrills bar you know it's like oh god what are we doing here it gets to the point where we just start taking shots and all i know is the night ended with a lot of drunk karaoke but i woke up the next day and had to drive seven hours home and i had to stop halfway home and take a nap because i was so hungover and wait you and your boys drove with you you guys didn't go no together no, no. So they all live in different states, man. So it was kind of one of those things where um, I'm from South Carolina. Two of the guys are from North Carolina. So they drove together. Uh, one of the dudes was from Florida. So I dropped him off at the airport and he flew back. Um, and then I drove the seven hours back home. Bro, I can never drive seven hours, bro. I, bro, I get tired after an hour and a half. Like, Oh, dude, I'm, like, immune to it at this point. You just kind of get used to it. It sucks, but, like... That's so far. I can never do that, bro. That's how... how And that's the other reason I stopped, man, is gas got too expensive. Oh, no, bro. Last year, gas was crazy. It was cheaper to fly last year than it was to drive. Like, bro, for, like, a good, like, eight months, like, from, I would say, winter of 2021 to like summer of 2022 gas was insane like i feel like it just went down just like a few months ago it, and it still ain't been down a whole lot it's it's yeah still pretty... it's not even down that much but it's better than it was before bro before it was i like, agree man i was because i used I, I was paying for premium bro on my old car my affinity i was paying like five dollars plus a gallon bro yeah nothing nothing was below 480 like it was, I was so mad. You waste 
like your whole you say you say you work part time, you basically wasting half your paycheck that week for gas. No, dude. I mean, it it's like ludicrous. taxes and then paycheck is just gone. Yeah, I'm just like, bro, what the hell? I'm like, I can't save a dime. It's a problem. It's definitely a problem. Like, I'm just glad it's getting a little better now. I hope it continues to get better and go down. But like, jeez. Hey, listen, we just all need to move to Jersey where they don't pump their own gas and everything's super cheap on gas. Bro. Yo, Jer- yeah, Jersey Jersey gas is not that bad, bro, to be honest. Bro, Jersey gas is cheaper than anywhere else in the country right now, I think. They got a good end it on. My cousin sent me gas. a picture, dude. His local gas station was like two sixty five a gallon. I was like, where do you live? <laughs> He probably said I sent him a picture of mine. It was like almost five. I was like, I hate you. Bro, California is even worse than New York. California, bro, I heard it's like eight, nine dollars there. Oh, dude, fuck California. Sorry <laughs> if anybody from California listens to this, but fuck you. Like that <laughs> Like your state sucks. Like I, everything's so expensive. I remember we went to LA and like a thing <laughs> of water was like twenty four ninety nine. And I was like, what are we doing? <laughs> what? Wait, a water bottle was twenty four ninety nine. No, like one of the, you know how you can get like the the small like twenty four packs, of, like the little water bottles. Oh no, like not even like for... the the sixteen ounce water bottles, like the little ones you would bring to like you know little league practice. I, I wouldn't even waste my money on those, bro. Twenty four ninety nine. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, well, you brought the little ones, bro. Dude, I had to. It was all they had. It oh was like, goodness. that's <laughs> yo. Jonathan got stories, man. <laughs> it was expensive, man. I will Bro. never, ever, ever, ever buy water in California again, ever. What's crazy is my cousin, who's great with cameras, like video editing. He'd be living out in California. He'd be, he'd be with his friends though, so I guess they all help chip in, pay for everywhere they live, because. I don't know how you live out there, but I know he's living his dream, doing his thing. But I'm just like, damn, I, I know it's crazy expensive out there, bro. I hope he got a good paying job. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There we go. I hate, I hate when that happens. I hate when that happens, man. Bro, I have no clue what happened. I went to like, <laughs> I hit the mute button for a second to go like yell at my dog real quick to stop talking. And then like. It just hung up. <laughs> it hung up right away. And I was like, oh, damn. Maybe that's why, because. I have my dad on. I have all full service. I was like, it can't be me. <laughs> but it's all good, man. So I know you got to walk your dog soon. So let's go against uh, the player championship odds. So I'm looking at oddshark.com, the favorites right now. So we got John Rom, who's favorited at plus 1,200. Colin Mar- Marikawa, plus 1,600. Justin Thomas, the same odds. Patrick Cant- Cantley at plus 2,000. Your boy Rory McElroy at plus twenty two hundred. Oh, Scotty that Sheffler. pronunciation hurt. Oh, which one? Rory, baby, McElroy, 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 McElroy. <laughs> that was a new one. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> yo, yo, chill, chill, chill. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. It took me the- for a ride there for a second. Woo! <laughs> Is you got Scotty Scheffler at plus twenty eight hundred, and there's a whole bunch of other guys on this list. Yeah, right? no, I mean it's a stacked. Listen, the the players besides like the majors, obviously, is probably the most stacked field of the year. 
Yeah, because I saw I looked it up. I, this is the next major tour tournament coming up, and it's in early March. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, you look at it. You look at the way guys are playing. I got three guys in mind. I want you to have three guys in mind, and we'll go through our guys. My three guys, I got Rom, I got Thomas, and I'm going to go with Rory, man. What are you thinking? Okay. Guys? So, guys? I, I'm going to pick JT as my outright winner. Ooh, good one. I like that. Um, He was the only guy in horrendous weather conditions last year to shoot a bogey-free round on the course. So he loves that course. I mean, he plays phenomenal there all the time. So I'm going to go Justin Thomas for my outright winner. Um, my guy that I think I can get that can get it done, I'm going to go probably Rory. Boring pick, but Rory. Um, it's been a little bit since he's, you know, really won like a big event. So I think it's about his time. And who's your dark horse? My door course is Matt Fitzpatrick. Oh, he's at plus four thousand odds. Yep. So that's my dark horse. Um, I went to the U.S. Open this year, watched him play at Brookline all four days, and he was just immaculate. I mean, he's he's a serious golfer. Man, the U.S. Um, Open. He has, How does that usually happen? He has every shot in the bag. Like Tigers complimented him more than probably any young golfer. Wow, that's saying something. So he's he's a dude. Um, I think he's somebody to watch out for. You went to the U.S. Open, bro? Oh, yeah. Oh, my. Oh, how was that? Oh, it was amazing, dude. It was like the best experience ever. Oh, man. Well, when does that usually happen? So I want to say it was like – early summer like june like i want to say like 10th oh so that's when it happens around summertime yeah yeah Ooh. you guys how was that experience like oh dude it's so crazy. crowded oh yeah i I'm mean sure the tickets it's were expensive no so the tickets are pretty cheap if you get them like early okay um but if you try to grab them on the resale market, you're looking at like a thousand dollars. How did you buy yours? Like, how much were they? So we bought. We waited online in line for like six hours to buy them when they first came out. Wow! And we bought the four day pass, and I think for each of us for the four day pass, it was about a thousand bucks. Damn, bro, that's crazy, bro. Yeah, so it's expensive, but... It was worth the experience, though. Oh, dude, it was, like, the best thing ever. Like, literally the best thing ever. Did you take a ton of pictures there? Oh, yeah, I mean, we met a bunch of the golfers. We took pictures. We, you know, we did everything. Damn, bro, how come I don't see some of these pictures on your Instagram, man? Oh, you know how it'd be. You can only post so many. 
Oh, you you gotta do a little photo dub, man. You gotta show the people. Oh, maybe, out, maybe, maybe. We'll you gotta, see. You we'll show, see. Maybe show. something like, will be yeah, coming I'm up. Here, man, my name is Jonathan Schickler. I got some content days coming up on the golf course, so you'll see some stuff coming out soon. Okay, got to man. Yo, you got yeah, you got to let people know, man. Like yeah, I, I met this person. Met this, I got some got some clout to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's some stuff coming out soon, so if you guys want to tune in and check it out, you know. You can, you can. Man, but man, before we go, because I know you got to go walk your dog, tell me a little about your car business, man. Yeah, man. So since I've been off the golf course a little bit more, I um, kind of like found my way back into the uh, the sports card and memorabilia business again. And uh, I've been doing that. We've been pretty successful so far. A lot of, a lot of sales already, but. You know, always looking to build, selling everything from signed jerseys to, you know, cheap cards to expensive to vintage. So just kind of everything everybody could look for. But it's it's fun, man. And let me tell you, it's crazy how much money there is in the hobby now, too. Like, yeah, it's insane. Nah, man, I'm happy for you, man. And like there's cards, dude, that are going up for millions of dollars on auctions right now, and I, I just can't fathom that. Bro, it's crazy because when I was younger, I used to have so many NBA cards, like a whole collection. And then Bro, you know what's crazy? I bet you had a LeBron rookie in there or something, bro. And you um, know what's nuts? A LeBron rookie is about a million bucks right now. Like I'm just like, damn, I wish I kept all my cards, man. Because now, younger, it was so easy, more accessible to get all types of cards. NFL, NBA, soccer. You can get them at your local Walmart, ShopRite. Now, yeah, bro, anywhere. You can't, you can't get like, it. CVS, anywhere, bro. Like, it's like, where do you even get it now? It's it's impossible now. It's like, you got to go online or something. It's hard online now, too. Actually, like, my Walmart, dude, is always stocked. So, I just head right over there. Oh, really? Here in New York, I don't see, bro. I don't. Bro, I don't well, see all right. So you got to think about it, right? Since you're in New York, there's a bigger populace of younger people that are buying those cards. I live in South Carolina near a bunch of retirement communities, so I don't think anybody's really exactly card sharking down here. That is true. Even demographics, that's the thing, man. Exactly, and bro, like it's funny. Like I'm just like looking on my desk here because I got probably like seven thousand cards on my desk in front of me right now that I'm sleeving and like stuff like that. Sports. Ah, yeah, football, baseball, soccer, basketball, hockey, hockey. Yup. Um, I got some lacrosse. Like I got everything. Uh, no tennis, no tennis or golf. Oh wow! It, no golf. Wow, that's that's new. <laughs> golf cards are hard to find, man. They're expensive. I can't imagine how much a young Tiger Woods golf card is. Um. So, like, ungraded right now, you can buy his rookie card for like twenty five bucks. Oh wow! Um, but if it grades in a ten, it's worth about three thousand. Wow, that's something. And, so, you know, let and let the people know before we go, man. Where where they could find your card business? Yeah, so Instagram. you guys can find me on Instagram. Uh, I'm the CEO. My Instagram is underscore J S C H I C K underscore. 
that's my golf account if you guys want to check out that content and then for our card content we're over at palmetto dot polls so it's palmetto like the plant dot polls so if you guys want to buy cards we accept uh we accept paypal cash app and zelle we don't take venmo no venmo venmo's too risky Mm-hmm. let them know man yeah man make sure you shout out to all your boys all your family members so more people can listen to it everything man hey you know i got you bro as always you know it always hits the group chats as soon as it comes out oh yeah get people to know your golf because we know you know your golf stuff and then also get people to hear about your side business as well so this has been a great episode man dude yeah i'm uh i'm hyped to be back on here a second time and uh Hopefully, there's more to come. Let's do something for the players. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, bro. I'm going to get you on again because you know what you're talking about. You know your stuff. And then uh, we got what? We got Masters Week a couple weeks after that. That'll be fun. Yeah, and uh, if you want to bring one of your friends to also know golf as well. Dude, yeah, that... I'll, have, um, I'll have a couple guys come on potentially for Masters Week for sure. Okay. And then you said you want to become a writer on my website, right, for golf? Yeah, yeah, we could definitely get working on that, too. Oh, man, already saying the invite, brother. Big bet, big bet. Oh, yeah. But, man, it's been a great, great time having you on the show again, man. Thank you for taking time. I know you have a busy schedule. And I really appreciate you talking up some golf and educating me on this, man. Yes, sir. And any questions you got in the future and any questions the viewers have, just tell them to come my way. Thank you, brother. Have a good one, man. All right. Great talking, brother. Peace out. Peace. Well, that's going to do it for the show, guys. I hope you guys really enjoyed breaking down, recapping, talking about the Genesis Invitational, and also previewing a little bit of our picks for the Players' Championship that's going to happen in early March with my guy Jonathan Schickler. Make sure you guys go check out his car training business like he's mentioned on his socials, palmetto.post on Instagram. Make sure you guys give him a follow on Instagram as well. And I hope you guys continue subscribe to the website dsportsroom.com follow the podcast spotify anchor radio public overcast apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, wherever you listen wherever you get your podcast i'm basically on a lot of, i'm on a lot like seven eight different platforms probably even more that i don't even have listed on my anchor website for some reason but wherever you get you guys are listening wherever you get your podcasts make sure y'all teach out to your friends family members co-workers and channels how to grow and i kind of I'm glad I went out of my comfort zone a little bit today. I've been mostly talking about football and basketball on the last couple episodes, and it felt nice to talk about a little bit something else, some baseball and some golf, which we haven't done in a while for those two sports on the podcast. But, yeah, I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode. I'm my golf guru, Jonathan Schickler. That's my boy right there. And it's been your host, DJ Hamilton. I'll see y'all next time. Peace.